Several years ago, God gave me this message, and many years I preached it down across this nation. And I believe if it's ever been needed, it's needed in the hour in which we live. Before I read the Scripture, before I tell you about following the bottle, may I say, I'm glad I met the one that can deliver you, and the one that has power to break the bottle, the one that has power to save to the uttermost, and what a blessing that is. It's not good to preach a sermon and not tell you the remedy. And I'm glad, praise God, I met the one that can put you on something much better than the bottle and alcohol and strong drink and the curse of booze. So if you have your Bible, beloved, I want you to turn with me. And we're going to read from uh, the book of Proverbs. I want you to turn to chapter 20. And we'll look in chapter 20 at one verse of Scripture, and then we'll turn and we'll read in chapter 23. This is a great uh, admonition on the evils of strong drink. Solomon was qualified because, you remember in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, under the sun, 29 times. He said, I've tried everything under the sun. I've tried wine, women, and song. And he said, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That's the way it is when it comes to the strong drink problem. Brother, it's vanity. It leads to a drunkard's death and a devil's hell. And we need to expose the evils of the coils in the cup. But because of time, I want you to just look at your Bible, and I'll read verse 1 of chapter 20. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, if you will, turn to chapter 23, and we'll read four verses of Scripture. In chapter 23 of the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, uh, beginning with verse 29, Chapter 23, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without a cause, uh, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at wine, and go to seek mixed wine. Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Now notice the next verse, because this is a text. The Bible said, At last it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. It said, At last, if a man follows the bottle, if a man gets hooked on booze, he may start off in society, but he'll end up in the ditch. He may start off taking a drink now and then, but he'll end up a drunk and a disgrace to society. And I want you to know, somebody said before you pray, whose side do you on in this booze thing? I'm on God's side. Thank God I'm, I'm on the Bible side. I'm on the side of the righteous. I'm on the side of that little mother that knows what it is to have sorrow and contention because of the... I'm on that little child that cannot help himself 
I'm on his side. When he has to hear of daddy in Babylon. But I want you to bow with me for a word of prayer. And then I'll bring you the message on following the bottle. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being able to cry out against strong drink. Thank you for the privilege of being able to preach about his woe and his contention and his sorrow. Oh, as Solomon said it last, it biteth like a serpent and it stingeth like an adder. I pray that you'll speak to every heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you on following the bottle. I don't know of anything in this world that's broken up more homes and broken more wedding bands. I don't know of anything that's filled more jailhouses and filled more institutions for mental sickness than the thing called strong drink and a man that will not expose it and a man that will not preach against it. I do not believe he's God's man. We need some men, brother, that'll stand up against his evil. We need some men that'll say, whoa, to that person that promotes it and sells it and votes for it. We need to stand against the liquor crowd. But you say, Brother Mays, what does the Bible say? Isaiah said 700 years before our Lord was ever born. Whoa! Unto those that rise up early and follow a strong drink. Joel said many years later, he said, woe to the people who sell a boy for a harlot and a girl for wine. Habakkuk said, woe to the man that puts that bottle to his neighbor's lips. And I believe today we need to see the woe. But before I get into the message, and before we go to carrying the bottle, let you hear the sorrow and the teardrops and the sadness of that bottle. Let me give you something. Uh, why there's liquor on the earth? I've heard people say, if God made everything, why do we have booze and liquor and wine and beer? Well, that's the devil's counterfeit. Every time God made something good, the devil always made a counterfeit. Did you know the Lord has a church and the devil's got a counterfeit? The Lord has a Bible and the devil has a counterfeit. The Lord has his spirit. And the devil has a counterfeit evil spirit. And we need to see that. There is, beloved, uh, this is a counterfeit. Now, this is what Paul said. He said, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the spirit. Thank God, there's the wine of the new spirit of God. There's, my friend, the wine from the banks of heaven. The Holy Spirit and we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I've been filled with this Spirit. And what a blessing. But the devil comes along and gives a counterfeit wine and a counterfeit joy. And Satan comes around, my friend, to give the counterfeit. You say, what do you mean? Well, there are three things. I want you to notice that a man drinking has false. First, he has a false peace. A man that says, I'll go out here and take the bottle. I'll drink it, mister. I'll give him a false peace. I want you to know Jesus is the only one that can give you a deep, settled peace. And a peace that settles everything. Thank God I've got a deep, settled peace. And that peace floods over my soul when there's sorrow and heartache. 
I've got the true peace that Jesus said, I give unto thee. But listen, the man that goes out on Saturday night and drinks of the bottle at the booze joint has a false peace. He tries to drown out his troubles. Years ago, I was called to the sixth floor of the YMCA in Columbia, South Carolina. A doctor was there with beer bottles and liquor bottles. And I said to him, I said, Doc, what are you doing? He said, I tried to settle my nerves. But he said, I want to tell you, I haven't found the peace that I was looking for. I put my arm around him. I said, if you'll go to Calvary, thank God there's a place where you can find peace. And there is. But there's a false peace. And then there's a false personality. When a man gets to drinking, he's not the same man. Oh, there's a false personality. A man loses the mark of demarcation and he doesn't have the same personality. I want to tell you something else. When you get filled with the Spirit, brother, you have a different personality. I'll tell you, you'll walk different and you'll talk different. And brother, it'll be different. Praise the Lord. Now you say, uh, uh, false. Yes, sir. False personality. Then there'll be something else. Oh, when a man gets out here on Saturday night and begins to drink, he'll have a false boldness. Oh, but when you get filled with the Spirit, there'll be a true boldness. You'll stand up, look the devil in the face, like a tomcat spitting the back of juice in a bulldog's eye, and praise God, you'll not be afraid. You get a man filled with the Spirit of God, and a woman filled with the Spirit of God, and they'll not be afraid of the devil, or evil, or anything. Get them filled with the Spirit of God. What a blessing it is. But when you say, why is there booze on this world? Why is there a bottle in this world? It's the devil's counterfeit. Remember, the devil always counterfeits everything that's good and precious and holy and dear. But today, I'm going to follow the bottle. And I'm going to ask the policeman from the Knox County or the city of Knoxville to bring the bottle down. And as he comes down the aisle, I want you to know, mister, in his hand is a symbol of a crying baby. In his hand is a symbol of a wreck on the highway. In his hand is a symbol of a broken life. In his hand is woe and sorrow and contention. I appreciate this man from the Knoxville Police Department, Mr. Gavin. I appreciate you bringing me this bottle. I want you to know, before you leave, I appreciate you. I appreciate the law enforcement. I trust that you'll do all you can against the evils of this. And I thank God that you took time out to come. And I want the people to give you a hand as you go out today. God bless you. Hallelujah. I appreciate a man that'll come. I appreciate a man that would bring me the symbol of what I'm going to preach on. And I'm going to take the cork or the screw off of this bottle. And in one hand, I'm going to hold the bottle. And the other hand, the holy book of God. Oh, how different they are. In one hand, I've got that which will take a man and make a new man out of him. In the other 
other hand, I've got a bottle that'll drag you down to the very gates of hell. That'll bring sorrow and misery and woe for the longest day that you live. But there are three places that I want us to follow the bottle and hear the cry. First of all, I want us to follow the bottle and hear the cry of the promoters. There are those that say we need it. There are those that say we can't do without it. There are those that say, well, we need it for tax purposes. We need to get the revenue off of it. There are liberal preachers that say it's all right to take a little bit. And we ought to be extremists when it comes to the bottle. Now you say, why? Oh, the cry. Well, first they say it's social. They say if you're going to be in society, you've got to drink a little. Now I've got news for you. I'd rather live up here so far back, bless God, in the mountains. That Listen to me. That never know me, Jackson, than to sit out here and say, take a little uh, wine. And you'll be so socially accepted. I don't want to be accepted by the drunks. I don't want to be accepted by the social crowd. I want to be accepted by Jesus and the church and the living partner. I don't want to be. I never will forget Miss Roosevelt. She was a wonderful speaker. But you know what Miss Roosevelt said? Miss Roosevelt was making a speech to the youth. And she's the ugliest woman I believe I've ever seen. Say amen. And you know what she said? She got up and she said, young people, I advise you to take a little toddy before you go to bed at night. She said, it'll help your complexion. I started to write her a letter and say, honey, if it'll do you any good, you ought to take a bath in it. Bless God every night before you go to bed. Are you listening to me? Oh, so sorry. Take a little toddy. Oh, mister, you need to go to the fountain that never runs dry. And praise God, you need to drink from that fountain. Not only do they say socially, but they say for your stomach's sake. I never will forget the first time I went to the Holy Land, that Mr. Matter took me in. A keeper of the garden tomb, and he said, everybody drinks wine over here. I said, everybody but one. Praise God. Oh, he said, Paul said, take a little wine for the stomach's sake. I said, sir, my name's not Paul, and my tummy don't ache. Say amen. Bless God. I said, I want you to know, I believe Jesus can touch your stomach. I believe Jesus can give you what you need. Somebody said, oh, yes, for the stomach's sake. And then somebody else said, preach. Why should they promote it? They promote it because it puts coffers. The coffers are filled. They promote it because it brings revenue and money and blood money. Would you go to sleep tonight if you knew you took the last dollar out of a man's house, out of a, a little baby's mouth of bread? Oh, but they cry, we've got to have it. No, we don't have to have it. Bless God, we need God. We need Revival. We need to turn again in this land. But I want to give you the second cry of this bottle. I want us to go through this Bible. And we stop over here, Genesis chapter 9. And there's a tent. Oh, you listen to me. There's a man lying outside that. I said, Hey, what's your name? He said, Noah. 
No, I said, no, why are you lying there? Naked in a drunken stupor. He said, God save me. Oh, God bless my family. And here I am. I made wine. And I'm drunk. And the Bible said he uncovered himself. Now, there's a cure for nakedness. Bless God, get saved and you'll get some clothes on. Amen. Get saved. You'll cover up, mister. You don't have to worry about that. I hold this bottle down and I say, tell me about Noah. Noah was a man of just in his generation. Noah was moved by fear. And Noah prepared an ark. Yet look at Noah now. What is he telling me, bottle? And he says, Noah got drunk and uncovered himself and started this awful sin of a homosexuality. Well, you say, why, brother means I believe that every man has a lifestyle and he can choose like he pleases. I believe this Bible tells you the only lifestyle that a man's got a right to choose. And thank God, sir, I'm against the homosexual, the lesbian, and the sin that Noah committed as we followed the bottle. We go to chapter 19, the book of Genesis, and we stop and I say, hey, tell me something, Lot. Lot turns over and said, my God, God sent two angels down from heaven, and God took me in and delivered me out of something. My wife looked back and turned into a pillow of salt. But Mr. Jackson, I'll tell you what I did. I wasn't thinking, and my own daughters came in, and my own daughters held the bottle, and I drank of the bottle. And Mr. Jackson, I committed incest with my own daughters. And you say, preacher, what does it say about following that bottle? It said a man committed the awful sin of sodomy. It said that a man committed incest because he followed that bottle. Now I hear somebody say, but Preacher, I take you a little extreme. Let's go on. Daniel 5, it said, Belshazzar, handsome and haughty and high-spirited young man, a king over Babylon. He said, we're going to put on a shindig. He said, boy, we're going to dance. We're going to drink and follow the bottle. And the Bible said, Thousands gathered. Boy, you talk about this booze crowd. They poured it out that night. And in their lewd music. And may I stop long to say this. That old rock music goes along with the bottle. And with the sin business. And brother, we need exposure. You say, what happened? Listen to me. And they got bleary-eyed. And they got bold in their sin. And about that time, he made a mistake. He said, uh, bring Grandpa's communion cups up here. He got them down from the temple of God. And he poured wine out of the bottle in the communion cups. And the Bible said, when he did that, a hand wrote on the wall. Many, many people you saw sin. That weighed in the balances and found warning. Are you listening to me? Well, the Bible said that king's expression changed. He turned white as a sheet and his loins were loosed. And he said, somebody help me. Somebody help me. And he got his wise men and soothsayers and magicians.
Indians and Chaldeans in there and said, can you read that right? And they said, can't read a lick of it. And about that time, his little old mama walked in. Said, there's a man's got the Holy Ghost in him down yonder. And his name is Daniel. And Daniel can read the handwriting on the wall. And boy, they call old Daniel I imagine he walked in that sin big and said, boy, look at all these old bottles. And look at all the newness of this crowd. What a disgusting thing it is. And he looks around and he said, oh, that's my father's handwriting. <laughs> Thank God, Mr. Hughes. And he said, I want to tell you something, King, because you defied the holy God of Israel and because you drank from the holy cup of God. He said, tonight, you're going to die, mister. And that night, Belshazzar was slain. Somebody said, why? Because of the bottle. And what a tragic thing that is. And then we come to another in the Bible. Go to the New Testament. If we had time, we'd go a lot more. we go to the New Testament. And there's a bleary-eyed king named Herod. And in Matthew chapter 24, he comes out and he said, well, I won't lie, I won't booze. And they bring him the bottle. And when they bring him the bottle, you know what he did? He started drinking. And he said, I want somebody to satisfy me. An old bleary-eyed drunk. Mister, there's not much that can satisfy him. Only the depraved sins can satisfy that man. I mean, he'd gone so low. But a few, few months before, there's an old preacher standing out somewhere on the bank of the Jordan. He's wiping honey out of his mouth and sugar cane out of his hair. And bless God, a woman came up and he said, It's not lawful for you to live such a life. Said, You're going to hell. You know what that old woman did? She said, Mr. I'll get even with you. And that night when Herod was sitting on that throne and all the splendor around him, he looked out at the dancing. And that woman sent her daughter. And that little daughter came. And the Bible says she did a fan dance, a strip tease. And when she danced in front of that king, his eyes became inflamed with lust. And he called her over and he said, Young lady, I'm going to give you anything your heart desires. You see, he had followed the bottle. He didn't know what he was talking about. And he said to the young lady, I'll give you even that chair to sit in. I'll give you half of the kingdom. She said, let me go talk to my mommy. And she went out and her mother says, I'll tell you what I want, honey. You go back and tell him that you want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. The greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus said, was going to die because he wouldn't compromise and wouldn't back up, mister. He's going to die. You say, what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened. He went down and a man came in with a tray. Bible calls it a charger. It's just a tray that you get crystal hamburgers in out here or whatever. They brought that tray down there. John is sitting there and he said, you bring me something to eat? And he lowers that tray. And when he lowers that tray, John said, you got a knife. He said, yes, if you don't get up and compromise, we're going to chop your head off. And we're going to take it to the king as a prize. Now, if you'll compromise, old John said, you go back and tell that old sister that I'm not compromising. Bless God, I'm ready to come to the end. And I'll never, never compromise. And you know what the book says? 
You know what the Bible says? The Bible says <laughs> that John got his head chopped off. You know what I believe he did? I believe he stood up just like this. The fellow said, now, are you sure you want to die? He said, one thing before I die. One thing before you chop my head off. I want you to take my head down to that old woman. But you tell her that I got a new one before my toes stop wiggling. Praise God. And I would not compromise with the devil and the devil's crowd. Thank God there's some men that will not compromise the Christ as we go through the Bible. I could go on and on. But I want to come to a generation past and a generation now. And I want you to hear the cries that I've heard of. From this awful bottle. The first one was over in Asheville when I was a little boy. Asheville, North Carolina. There's a man that lived next door to us. Had two little boys. They were precious. But their dad was a drunk. Saturday night, he came staggering up of the walkway. My dad would go out and say, Mr. Bishop, would you like to go to church with us in the morning? And he said, no, Jack. I ain't got time. I got to drink this bottle. And one Saturday night he came in. We heard screams and cries. And finally Daddy looked out and there was a police car out there. Daddy ran over. That man had taken his two little boys up and taken a claw hammer and beat their brains out. And the next morning in the Fulton County Jail in Asheville, North Carolina, I went up as a little boy and held my daddy's hand. Daddy walked over and he said, Mr. Bishop, I wanted to come and tell you we're praying for you. You know what he did? He looked at my daddy and he said, Jack, I thought I was killing snakes last night. My God, he said, I'd followed that bottle and I thought I was killing snakes last night. I thought instead of my boys that I was beating snakes to death. What a terrible and awful thing it is. And then we go to Brooklyn, New York. And there was some drunken mother that had a little baby. The social people up there, welfare, said, if you ever come home and, and do not feed your baby, again we'll take that baby away. She said, please don't take my baby. And she kept on drinking and drinking. And one night she came home and that baby had been lying there for three days and three nights without a bite. And he was crying. And she took this bottle and she said, shut up! And that little baby wouldn't shut up. And when that little baby wouldn't shut up, she took a butcher knife and mutilated him. Cut limb from limb. Cut his little heart out. Took it out in the backyard and dug a hole and stepped on that grave. And when they took her to the mental hospital, they said for years she walked the floor and said, My God, I hear a baby cry from the bottle that she drank. Mister, she heard a baby cry. We're on the radio out in California. Listen to me. Years ago out there, there was a man that hated the church and hated God and hated every preacher that preached the Word of God. But he had the sweetest little wife you've ever seen. She never missed Sunday school. She never missed preaching. And that drunk came in one Saturday night and said, if you go to church tomorrow, I'll kill you. He said, I'm going to the booth joint early in the morning. Now come home if you've been to church, I'll give you a taste of hell. 
And that night he came home and he was bleary-eyed and drunk and his mind was befuddled. You know what he did? He said, I don't believe in hell, but I'm going to give you a taste of it. And he got a red-hot poker and said, I'm going to brand the cross on you so you'll know that I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the cross. And I don't believe in the way you go to church. And brother, he took her and branded a cross on her. They arrested that man, sent him off to prison. And when they died in prison, they said he was screaming, My God, I see the devil with a red hot poker after me. Oh, you say, preacher, what happened? He followed this bottle and the sorrows and the miseries and the woe of following that bottle. You say, preacher, maze, let's come again. Let's go just outside of Chicago and Gary, Indiana. And this is one of the saddest stories I've ever heard about this bottle. Listen to what happened. A young man fell in love with a young girl. And, and neither were Christians. They didn't go to church. But that woman, that young girl's mother was an alcoholic. I call her a drunk. And the young boy said, Honey, as far as I know, you've never taken a drink of booze. But I'm going to marry you because I love you. And I'm going to work in this steel mill. Every day, ten hours. I'm going to buy the best clothes for you. I'm going to buy you the best home that I can buy working in the steel mill here in Gary. But I want you to know if God ever gives us any children, if you start drinking, I'll kill you. Because my children are not going to have a drinking mommy. And it wasn't long until a little blonde-haired girl was born in that family. It wasn't long, a year and a half later or so, maybe 18 months or... Twenty months later, a little boy was born in that family. And they started to grow up. When that little girl got four and that little boy was about two and a half, that woman got on the bottle like her mama. And that boy would come in from the steel mill and he'd say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I come home tomorrow night and smell it on you, I'll kill you. I'm not going to live with a drinking wife and a drinking mommy for my children. And the little children come over and grab him by the legs and cry and say, Daddy, help Mama not to go back to the booze house tomorrow. Help Mama. But one day he came in a week later, and there was liquor bottles. And he said to the little girl, she's in the corner crying. The little boy was hovered up to her. And he walked over and he said, I want to ask you something. Where's Mommy? He said, she's down at the bar, Daddy. Daddy, she came in and she was drinking and she's down at the bar. He said, that's all I want to know. And you know what he did? He went over into the drawer and pulled his pistol out. He said, you stay here. I'm going to kill her. He went down to the bar down Gary, Indiana, and threw open the door. Walked in. She was sitting on a stool at the counter. He turned her around. He put the gun up. He said, I ought to kill you. He said, you see that bottle there? I ought to kill you. You promised me you'd never get on it. That you'd be a sober wife and a sober mommy. I would have killed you. But I, I can't. And he started crying. He said, I can't. I can't. And she said, why can't you? He said, you're not fit to live. And you're not fit to die. And I'm going home and end it all. 
But I'm going to let you live with it. I'm going to let you get to the place where you'll smell it and where you'll make your bed in it and where it'll haunt you every day that you live. And he went home and he looked at his little girl and he said, Honey, I'm going to take a trip. <clears throat> I'm not going to live with your drinking mommy. Would you like to go or would you like to stay with the drinking mommy? And the little girl said, Daddy, I know what you're going to do. Brother, don't know yet. But said, I want to go with you. I don't want to be here when Mama comes home drinking. Mama is coming home drinking and I don't want to be here. You know what he did? He took that pistol, pulled the little flock of hair back, shot her brains out. Then he called the little boy over there. He said, son, you don't understand. Mama's coming in in a few minutes. She'll stagger and she's drunk. And Son, I want to tell you something. Me and sister's taking a trip. Had you rather go with us or stay with mommy? The little boy pointed his finger and said, I want to go with you and sis. He reached over and took the pistol and said, pistol, shot his brains out. Then he went over to the desk and he said to the Chicago Tribune, don't criticize me. If you voted for it, don't criticize me. Oh, if you've ever sold it, don't criticize me. He said, I gave them a choice. And they didn't want to live with a drinking mama. And he said, I want this to be an editorial in the paper so that people will see what the bottle did to my little girl, what the bottle did to my little boy, what the bottle did to my family. Are you listening? It's a terrible thing to follow this bottle. And after he'd written a letter, he signed it and shot his brains out. They said it's one of the saddest funerals ever had to have in Gary, Indiana. I was preaching this sermon 21 years ago, and a man walked up to me and said, I attended that funeral maze. I got down on my knees, and I said, this bottle, and I said, listen to me, listen to me. Was it so all that I said? He said, everything and more. He said, as I looked at those two little darling children, and I looked at that man that was a hard-working steel worker, I said, woe and contingence and sorrow, follow the bottle to the end. Now let me give you the last thing quickly. It was in Chicago many years ago. We'll follow the bottle to Chicago this time. And there was a man named Mel, and Mel's name was Trotter. And he drank, and he drank, and he drank. And his wife said, Mel, I'm praying for you. Mel, God's got something for you other than to follow the bottle. Mel, you're going to end up in a drunkard's grave. You're going to live a drunkard's life if you follow that bottle. You know what happened to Mel? He got so, so involved and so bound by booze till his nervous system went bad. He lost his job and finally came home. His wife said, we don't want you around here, Mel. Mel! I don't want you around my four little kids. You're liable to kill them. Mel, you're dangerous. Your mind's been poisoned. You're liable to kill the children. And she made him leave the house. A year and a half after that, he was walking or staggering down the streets of Chicago. And he staggered into a neighbor. And the neighbor said, sorry to hear about your little girl. And Mel shook his head and said, what? He said, sorry to hear what, the, what, what happened to your little girl. 
said she died because she didn't have enough food. Finally poisoned her system. And Mel said, my God, it was the bottle. Here I've been, I've been tied to this bottle. He said, here I've been a slave to the bottle. And you know what he did? He slipped home, went to the back door. The neighbors had built a little box for the baby. The neighbors had bought a little dress for the little girl and booties. And he knocked on the door and a woman came and said, Mel, don't let your wife see you. She's broken hearted. She's taking a little darling girl this afternoon out. Mel Trotter said, please let me see my baby. Let me slip in and just look at my baby. And he went in, and when he went into the casket of the box, he unfastened his shirt, leaned over when they wouldn't look in, took the shoes off his dead baby's feet, put them in his shirt, and staggered down to the beer joint, walked in and said to the bartender, you've wrecked me. You've destroyed my baby. But I've got to have a drink. And the bartender said, leave, Mel. He said, I've got to have a drink. And he said, why, have you got the money? Mel said, no, but I'm so low down. I stole the shoes off of my dead baby's feet. And he put them up there on the counter at the bar. He said, I ought to kill you, the bartender. Any man but said, I know you must want it. You've got to have it, haven't you? And he poured him out a drink. And Mel stood there with trembling hands and said, My God, he cost me the shoes off of my dead baby's feet. But you know what happened? A few months later, he went into the Chicago Rescue Mission. They were singing, There is a fountain filled with blood. God found him Sinners, drunks, harlots can be punched beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stain. Mel Trotter came to the altar 14 times before he was satisfied. And then he got up one day in the mission and said, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm set free. Free, free. You know what Mel Trotter did? He went out and started a Bible class. Finally became one of the greatest evangelists this country's ever known. But I'll tell you what he did every year. There was a little girl's birthday. And Mel would take a liquor bottle. This is where I got the idea for following the bottle. And he'd go out to that little girl's grave and get down and pray. And he'd say, honey, honey, this is your daddy. He's not drinking anymore. He's not carrying the bottle. He's carrying the Bible. I'm preaching the Word of God. And he'd take that bottle and break it over her little tombstone and sing Rock of Ages. Let me hide myself in thee. You know why? He broke the bottle. But he turned to the book. What a blessing when you break the bottle and turn to the book. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, I want you to keep looking just a head's bowed for just a moment. I want you to look to the Lord right now. Because we're going to give the invitation. I want the ladies to come. We're going to give a different invitation than we usually give. I want every one of you got a boy that's on booze. You got a girl that's hooked by the bottle. 
Every one of you that have a husband that drinks, or a son that drinks, or a friend that drinks, I want you to get up and we start to sing in just a moment. I want you to gather around this altar for a closing prayer. I want us to claim victory through Jesus for that loved one that's bound the booze. Father, I pray in just a moment when we begin to sing that everyone here, here in this church, oh, that have a loved one that's bound by that bottle, will come and claim the blood of Jesus to break it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Look this way. Singing what, Brother Jim? Number 271. Now here's what I want you to do on the first stanza, because we're going to have prayer. If you know somebody that's precious, and that person is, is hooked on booze, that person is bound to that bottle I preached about, I want you to come to him and call their name out. And believe God to set them free. Let's everybody stand all over the house. Let's everybody sing with Brother Jim. You come out on. We're going to need you right around this altar. You know that precious boy that you need to pray for. That precious dad you need to pray for. Thank God you know that one that we can pray for. Sing with Brother Jim, all right? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Thank God we can pray.